Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, regular listeners to the show will know that this programme has had a long association with EY Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. Earlier this week, the finalists of this year's awards were announced, and as always, the 24 finalists cover a wide range of businesses and account for a serious amount of turnover to the Irish economy. I'm delighted to be joined now by Stephen Nolan of Nutritics, who's a finalist in the emerging category, also by Evelyn Kelly, the CEO of Orphan Drug Consulting, who's also a finalist in the emerging category. And we're also joined by Alan Brown of Corec, who's a finalist in the established category. To give us an overview of the whole programme, we're delighted to be joined by Roger Wallace, who's the partner lead of the programme at EY. Good morning, Roger. We'll start with you, if we can. Tell us about the awards this year, Roger. Um, What's different? It's your 25 years on the go. But uh, what's different this year? Because we've had two kind of strange years. Yeah, morning, Bobby. Great to have EOI back to normal in some ways. Uh, Really special year for us with our 25th year, as you mentioned. Um, You know, EOI is at its heart uh, a bunch of alumni, entrepreneurs who are really the backbone of entrepreneurship in Ireland. And and this week, uh, having 25 new, you know, exceptional entrepreneurs join that group is is great fun and and really very special. Um, I think what's new this year, well, a couple of things. we have uh, altered one of the categories from industry to established, and that's to be more inclusive with different types of business. And, um, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of entrepreneurial businesses have been operating for a very long time in Ireland now. They've been employing people at the heart of communities for a very long time across many sectors, not just more traditional manufacturing ones. So we wanted to be more inclusive with them. And another new addition to the program this year is a sustainability award, uh, recognizing the importance of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship in really meeting the you know the carbon challenge and the the uh, environmental challenge that we have as a nation okay i think the the move uh, in changing that name uh, as i said earlier in the week uh, from industry to establish is, is a very progressive one and i think it'll it'll open up a whole new channel of family businesses and you know that maybe felt that it wasn't for them before so i think you'll get a much wider net uh, of a really, really strong businesses coming into that category. Oh, for sure, Bobby. Um, and we can see it in the finalists in that category uh, already this year, exceptionally strong. Yeah, and nominations were, were really strong this year with over 120 brilliant uh, companies. And um, so it was hard for our independent judging panel of, of, fine, of you know, previous winners to select the, the 25 finalists for this year. Um, and, and the folks that are there are really worthy entrepreneurs leading brilliant businesses. Okay, well, we have three of the finalists with us here and they're going to tell us all about their businesses and what they do. And we're going to start with uh, uh, Stephen Nolan, the Managing Director of Nutritics. Stephen, you're very welcome to the programme. Tell us about this business, what you do, and I suppose why you're here. Thanks, Bobby. <clears throat> yeah, I suppose Nutritics at its heart is a, is a food tech business. Right. And it's, it, we help businesses and provide food data and make it more accessible, valuable and reliable for their business and their customers. And I suppose if you think of one third of the meals that we consume are out of the home, but in reality, very little is still understood about the, the food that we consume out of the home. So it's our technology that helps supports the, that, that decision making. And can you give me a kind of an example of where that would be relevant when you talk about meals in the home? So if I wanted to know 
the calorie content of the Irish stew that I was making for dinner tonight. Is that something you could tell me? Yes, yeah, I suppose there's the three main stakeholders Ed, that, that, that engage with our business. First of all, it's the food businesses themselves. So we help them understand more about their supply chain, what, what is the, the, the content of the food, I suppose, from, and they take that and build recipes and menus, uh, perhaps a menu that needs to meet a particular budget or perhaps a, a recipe that has a particular lifestyle goal in mind around low calories, as you mentioned, or on a more serious note, making sure the allergens are correct in, right. in, in the information they provide to, to customers. So, And I suppose that leads on to the second stakeholder, I suppose, in, in our business, and that's the end consumer. That's you and me. And our technology will probably touch about 5 million, what we call food decisions, every single day. And whether, whether you're outside uh, at, at a football stadium or at, on a plane at an airline or a museum or, or a theme park or even your local pub and restaurant, when you look at that information on the menu, the data behind it that supports it, we're, we're likely um, behind that. Okay. And I suppose that the final stakeholder is the planet. So if, if we think about food data and what we know about food at the moment, very little is still understood about the carbon impact of food, the food that we serve. So we're starting to help both food businesses and the end customer understand more about the carbon impact okay. of the food that they're buying and then actually try and manage that and report it and meet their climate goals. So in summary, you're a kind of a, you're a supplier of, of distilled data in the food sector, as in making, taking all this scientific information, converting it into usable data and giving it back to the people who need it. Well, that's that's exactly it. And, and, and in I'm many, great at summarising businesses. Yeah, in many respects. <laughs> I learned that a long time ago. We're, um, <laughs> you've, you've, you've certainly done a good job. We're, we're, we're in really an emerging emerging area of business. You know, many years ago, people really didn't have an appetite, particularly out of the home, to understand what, what yeah. food they were eating. So we're kind of, I suppose, a seven-year overnight success where we've come okay. from. Um, we'll come back to you in a second, Stephen, because there's loads more I want brilliant. to ask you. Uh, well, let's move to our second guest, uh, also in the emerging category, Evelyn Kelly. She's the CEO of Orphan Drug Consulting. Evelyn, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Bobby. Good morning. Now we heard from Stephen's uh, nutritics there. Uh, you, tell us a little bit about your own business. Uh, uh, when you say Orphan Drug Consulting, I, is it separate from the from another business? As in, is it a consulting part of... of you tell, you tell us about your business. No, no, the business is all consulting. So yeah. orphan drugs are a specific category in the pharmaceutical industry and they have designated um, approval timelines as well as um, extended patents and some extra um, aspects in the pharmaceutical industry that makes them um, easier to access for the patients that need them because they do focus on rare diseases. Okay, so so... And then your business then specialises in orphan drugs again. And thankfully, you've explained what, what orphan drugs do. So it's consulting. So who are you consulting with? Yeah, so a lot of our business initially was US companies coming to the EU. And we would support them setting up the smaller US companies, support them in setting up their European office and focusing on the supply chain and quality assurance aspects of their business. So helping them acquire the licenses that they need to supply the medicines, helping them to set up the manufacturing network, the distribution network, supporting them with the customs. And oftentimes with these orphan drugs, um, there is a lot of criteria around um, fridge items, making sure that there's the special conditions and that they can you know, reach the patients in the appropriate condition 
for them to to take them and, and, and benefit from them as quickly as possible. It, it strikes me as a hugely complex area with legislation and health and safety and all sorts of, I suppose, very bureaucratic uh, and intense regulation. Uh, so are you really doing the heavy lifting for people on the basis that we'll sort all that out for you and, and make your passage to market uh, somewhat more straightforward. That's exactly it, Bobby, actually. Um, Another summary there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great summary. And actually, we've, we've expanded in the last couple of years to non-orphan drugs as well. So we've done a lot of work in the vaccine area as well. It's been pretty popular the last few years, yeah. as everyone knows, and everybody has an opinion on vaccines. But obviously the vaccines that came in to the market were frozen and cold chain and they needed to be accessed quickly for a large population as well. So that complexity, so that's what we support. So everybody kind of says, like, how difficult can supply chain be? Well, in medicines, because of the nature of the legislation and the requirements that are needed, quite complex. Hugely difficult, I'd suggest. Yes, you can only bring um, medicines to different markets to designated sites. There has to be specific licenses. And then the customs aspect as well. You don't want your medicines that are frozen or cold chain that have 72 hours or 96 hours to um, reach the patient. You don't want them stuck in customs. So you have to make sure that all those aspects are, are accurate also. Tell me this, Evelyn. In terms of the whole COVID-19 era, how has your business changed? Because I, I think somebody who's in this arena, you know, working with vaccines and you know, how did your business change in, in the two years of the pandemic? Did you see a massive escalation of, of change, you know, for the better uh, implementation, implementation of new technologies, all that sort of stuff? Well, I think um, it got a little bit more difficult, actually. Um, you couldn't meet your clients anymore. Right. Um, and so there's a number of our clients that we've never met. But more to the point then with the US putting in legislation about... Um, been able to veto production of medicines for certain companies. Some of our clients then um, couldn't necessarily access the production schedules that they'd booked. And then when you looked at the sheer volume of vaccines that were required globally, um, those resources were actually very tight as well. Right. So it was even things like speaking to my clients um, that I was supporting some of the vaccine distribution and understanding where we're going to get the freezers yeah, for these yeah. medicines and understanding you know, the cold chain boxes, all those things were out of stock short supply, hard to receive. So you really had to increase your timelines. So what it might be a three-month lead time before, you were looking at 12 or even 18 months wow. to plan ahead. All right, we'll be back to you, Evelyn. Um, I want to bring in our third guest now, Alan Brown. Uh, Alan, you're very welcome. You're from, from Corec. Tell us a little bit about your business again. I, I think it's a, it, it looks like, to me, a fascinating space, but our listeners will be intrigued. Tell them more, Alan. Good morning, Bobby. Thank you very much for having me here. Um, I... I would say at Coric, you know, we, we empower people to measure, map and manage the natural and built environment. And, you know, whether that's a surveyor setting out a construction site for a new building, police officer using a 3D laser scanner to create a 3D model of a crime scene, a quarry using a drone to measure the volume of a stockpile, our local authority managing its bin collection. We help them to operate more quickly, more safely, more accurately. and ultimately at a lower cost and with a lower impact um, on the environment. You mentioned so, a few things there, Alan. Just like, sorry, to, I didn't mean to cut across yeah. you, but I'm, I'm intrigued about things like you, you say there, a police officer uh, using a 3D laser scanner 
to do a 3D model of a crime scene. It, you know, that sounds to me like really intricate GPS work. Is, is that as effectively what you're doing? Yeah, it's, it's not quite GPS. It's using like a, a, a laser scanner. So it's like a LIDAR, which is sending out millions of, 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 of laser beams per second, which is creating a 3D model of, of, of ability to you like every single point has a has a coordinate um, but it also then has, has has some other things like colorization and then you can sit an image on top of that which actually creates a, a fully per- perfectly um, uh, accurate uh, replication of, of a scene and then like say something like like a crime scene but we, we probably do more around Kind of fatal accident scenes, yeah. but you know you can you can actually from from that information you can you can actually create representations of what happened beforehand. So from from um, let's say me- measuring the 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 tire marks on the road from from um, sounds fascinating. You know, like you can actually see what happened and replicate what happened, and you know that has evolved hugely over 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 the last few years actually is in that case you can almost create video simulations of an accident of how it happened from what is left afterwards wow and again are you are you finding kind of new applications for your service as as you go like because they're incredible examples of of i suppose where somebody needs absolute minute you know critical measurement let's call it uh, to 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 ensure that 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 they 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 can make a a really key decision on the back of it. Well, that, that, that's actually exactly what we do. So yeah, and you say you know we 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 don't we don't usually provide a service. We usually supply equipment to different people. Okay. If, to give to give you another example of something that we do. So for national highways in 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 the UK, they have an aging infrastructure of highways that were built 50, 60 years ago. They're starting to deteriorate and degrade. We have a vehicle which has a laser scanner like what this, but this is mobile and it's got gyroscopes, everything. It's like a Google Maps vehicle on steroids. It drives the, the motorways and it's collecting all this information, but it's also taking imagery of the, of the, um, the road surface. We, we then create what we call a, a, an ortho mosaic of these. So we basically have a photo image of the, of the road surface. We then pump that through artificial intelligence engine and it extracts the areas of degradation or damage. We then bring that into a portal that we have that actually puts a perfect geo reference point where that is. We send that to the contractors. That goes out to the contractors. They then um, deploy their, 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 their people to carry out this work. They use... Um, augmented reality to work to navigate their way to this point. Wow. So they then actually carry out the work. They take photographs of it. They have it. That all goes back into our portal. And the, but what they have is a full audit trail of where the the the, the you know the work that's required is determined. <clears throat> and 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 what 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 ultimately. You know that solution is saving national highways and the contractors tens of millions wow. of pounds per year. Well, listen, well done to you, Roger. Can I bring you back in here? We've heard just three really, really incredible stories there from three different businesses. I have to say, and again, I love the way that these are complex businesses, but they again, all three of our guests have 
have articulated them in a way that makes them, you know, really comprehensible and really easy to understand. Yeah, look, three fabulous businesses and and three great entrepreneurs. And at the heart of EOI is bringing these entrepreneurs together to to learn from each other, to mentor each other, um, you know, to trade with each other, maybe even to invest with each other at times. Uh, And that network of trust is really important. I've no doubt, um, you know, that Alan, Stephen and Evelyn, very different businesses, but they'll take a huge amount from, you know, learning from each other's businesses and, and from each other as leaders. Okay. Um, and, and that's a big part of what the programme tries to do. Very fine. I just want to give each of our guests a quick, a quick uh, opportunity to say, you know, what it means to them to be a finalist. And we might start, we might start with you if we can, Alan. Well, I suppose for me, like I've always loved businesses and I always knew I wanted to own a business. So, you know, to, to, to get to meet all these other people that, that, that have, have their own businesses, that really is, is exciting Okay, I, I think that is really exciting. Yeah, and I think it will be. Stephen, what about you? I think, I think for me, it's, it's incredibly inspiring to look at some of the past winners and participants and see what they, they have achieved. Um, and if you, you think down through, through the list of previous winners, and I suppose for me, if, if, if I look at that and I say, imagine if I could make Nutritics into a fraction of success of, of some of the businesses that, that they have, it would really make me incredibly proud of, of, of our business, of our team. Well, I've no doubt you're going to do that. And finally, to you, Evelyn. Um, again, uh, congratulations on being nominated. What does it mean to you uh, and your business? Yeah, so Bobby, I just love meeting people. So I'm just really looking forward to learning, meeting new people and just enjoying the programme. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, that's a, absolutely the right attitude because I think you will do that. I want to thank all my guests. Um, I, I want to thank Stephen Nolan of Nutritics. Um, also want to thank Evelyn Kelly of Orphan Drug Consulting and also Alan Brown of Corec, and indeed, of course, uh, Roger Roger Wallace, uh, the partner lead of the programme at EY. Thank you all very much for letting us into your world and every success with the competition. And Roger, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.